0: Hello and welcome to the Antioch Fort Worth Weekly Podcast. At Antioch, our desire is to cultivate a passion for Jesus and His purposes on the earth. To connect with us in community, partner with us through giving, or visit on a Sunday morning, please visit antiochfortworth.com. It's my joy, really, to uh, just introduce Mark McKinney. Mark is Mark and Robin have been friends for over twenty years. We've walked together. Uh, Mark and Robin planted Christ Fellowship North Richland Hills many years ago, so one of our former church planters out of this church. Uh, we've had crazy life group, every crazy life group experience in the book. We've done it, all the fun ones, the crazy icebreakers that went, went south and turned into ministry time. Anybody ever done one of those? I didn't know it was going to go in that way. Who's your favorite person? What was your favorite pet? Don't do that one, just FYI. Um, and you know the thing we're talking about the priority of parenting today and I was we were on, doing this Antioch golf tournament a while back and, and Mark and Trevor who's playing guitar electric today his son-in-law was, we, were, we were on the same golf team and Trevor kept calling him dad and I was like Mark's a good dad when the son-in-law calls the father-in-law dad it's a good, he's a good guy y'all give it up for Mark McKinney
1: All right, good morning. All right, uh, tell you a little bit about myself. You know, he mentioned that we were, did a church plan out of there, and it's interesting. This is actually my first sermon since then 14 years. So I was like, see if I can remember how to do this. But, uh, anyway, I've got uh, three daughters and one wife. Uh, I like her, I like her. She's her name's Robin. She's cute. I mean, we're uh uh Tuesday, we're gonna celebrate our 36th wedding anniversary. Yeah, I give it up. Most patient woman in the world. And uh we got married when we were six, by the way, if you're wondering. Okay. So we're gonna show you some slides of the family. Uh, this was taken last fall. Aren't they good looking? Man, look at that. All right. So on the left, real quick, this is Raymond and Sean. Uh Rama's my middle child, and that is Charlotte. I call her Charlie. You know, Sean said, don't call her Charlie. That's a guy's name. I said, I'm calling her Charlie. All right. So anyway, and uh, they live out in El Paso, Texas. She, he's trying to get a job back here. So anybody has any, we'll talk. Okay. All right. And there's Robin and I uh, to our right. That's Shannon and Trevor. Trevor's the one playing the pink guitar, being cool. Uh, and this is Noah and Ivy. Uh, they're two children. And on the right side here, we have Amy and Robbie. Amy's my youngest. Uh, they live in Castle Rock, uh, Colorado. And, uh, so if the kids are gonna move away, not a bad place to go. So, uh, and they just had a baby last October. That's Malachi. And this is Declan. Declan was actually in Rayma's tummy in that previous picture. So I just wanted to give him his props. And I, I do think Declan might be destined for the NFL because he already knows how to dab. I love that. Okay, so it's cool. All right. Now, today we're going to be talking about uh, the priority of parenting. And uh, when I thought about that, when Jamie asked me, the first thing I thought of was my parents. And I don't know how many of you have enough gray hair or old enough to remember Leave It to Beaver. Okay, my parents were Ward and June Cleaver. Okay, they were about as perfect as you can be. I don't have any negative memories of my childhood. I'm not saying negative things didn't happen, but it wasn't because of my, how they parented me. Any, every, every memory I have of my childhood is positive, and I smile. Uh, my dad passed away 14 years ago, and I was helping my mom clear out the house. She was moving, and I opened a box, and my blankie was there. And I'm 44 years old. And I went, my blankie. I mean, it was, I so, saw good memories, good memories. Uh, tell you a little about my, about my parents real quick, kind of kick this off. Cause that's where I learned most of my parenting skills. What little I have. Uh, I will say this, my dad, I played football, basketball, and baseball for 13 years. I was a jock. My dad was my coach, my mentor, my best friend. And uh, he never missed a game in 13 years. Uh, one, one, one year at high school, I was quarterback and we played a team in Lubbock. Dad had to be at work at 7 a.m. the next morning. And, uh, so I knew he couldn't come, so I wouldn't even worried about it. And by, at that moment, I did not know he had never missed a game. And, uh, so about 7 15 before kickoff, I'm throwing some passes on the football field. I, I threw a pass. I looked up in the stands and up the portal came my dad. He took off at lunch and drove seven hours to get there 10 minutes before kickoff, watched me play. I shook hands with the other team after the game and I'm walking to the locker room and I look back up and dad's in that same portal, waved at me, got in the car, drove seven hours back home, took a shower and went to work. I mean, that's the kind of dad I had, he was awesome. My mom, prayer warrior. When I was a kid, I thought every time mom prayed, God just set up a little straighter in the throne, you know, wait a minute, Pat McKinney's praying. Uh, everybody hush. I mean, it was, I couldn't get away with anything. What'd you do last night, Mark? Nothing, ma'am. God told me otherwise. Oh, dang it, I knew. I mean, so I just, it was just, I didn't have a prayer. So uh, I called her when I got called to the ministry and uh, I was real excited. She's the first one I wanted to tell. I called and I said, God just called me to the ministry. She said, I knew that three years ago. I'm like, shut up. Okay, you know, whatever. No surprises there, right? So the priority of parenting, I will say this, guys, the need for parents, great parents, has never been greater. And I, I believe the task at hand has never been more challenging. You talk about social media, you talk about where society is, you talk about where family is today and where it's gone. And we're going to illustrate this. We're going to show a few slides. First slide here, the percentage of children living with their biological mother and father, like in other words, the traditional nuclear family, mom and dad and children in 1960. Now I picked 1960 because I was born in 1961. Okay. So since the time I was, when I was born, 73% of children in America lived with their biological mother and father. Today, that has dropped to 46%, a decrease of 37%. Now, let's look at the next slide. Percentage of children being raised in a single-parent home in 1960, 14%. Today, 34%. Increase of 142%. Now, I want to pause there. And I I just want to say this before we get into this, guys. I don't want the enemy to come in and there's no shame, there's no condemnation. If you're a single parent, you hold your head high. Okay, there, and Because I've seen some single parents that blow other parents away that have mom and dad at home. So that doesn't mean you can't be a great parent as a single parent. I just think it's the hardest job on the planet myself. All right, let's look at the next one. Percentage of unmarried parents cohabitating or living together. Look at this. This is what blew me away. 1960.2%. And actually, when I did the research, I had, to, I had to round up to get the 0.2%. It was virtually zero. Today, 35%. Over one-third of the children, live, mom and dad, are not married, living together. An increase of 17,400%. How about that? All right. Now, Texas. Today, 40% of babies born in Texas are born to single mothers. In 2012, there was a, a study done. 89% when they asked the biological fathers... They said they intended to marry the mother. They checked back one year later on the child's first birthday. Only eight percent were married. So it was easy to say, you know, I intend to do the right thing to marry and all that. But it's what it says here is it's just not happening. All right. So look at uh, turn with me to Ephesians chapter six. We're going to read verses one through four. This is actually a scripture uh, Jamie shared with us last week. It says, "Children." Obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Now that word discipline there in that scripture literally means training. Raise them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. So my question today is, how do we do that? How do we train our children to follow Jesus, to walk in the ways of the Lord? And I think the best way to teach them how to follow Jesus is to lead our children the same way Jesus led his disciples. I think if we see how Jesus discipled, it will give us a lot of insights into how we could be great parents. So turn to John 17 real quick. Now, John 17 is referred to as the high priestly prayer. This is a prayer that Jesus prayed the night before he was crucified. He's praying to the Father, and he's praying for the 12 disciples that were with him, or the 11 at this moment, okay? And we're going to read this just to see some insights that we see through this prayer of how Jesus led his disciples. Starting with verse 12, it says, While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not, and not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I'm coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I've given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of this world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask you, and I want you to pay attention to this if you have teenagers. I do not ask you that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. Sanctify them in the truth. Excuse me. They are not not of this world just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for, the, for their sake, I consecrate myself that they might be sanctified in the truth. All right, so what we're going to look at, the main thing of this message. The two greatest gifts parents can give children are roots and wings. Give them, give them roots so they have a strong foundation, who they are and who they are in Christ. And then to give them wings to fly. Now, most Christians, most churches, especially this church, I look around, there's some incredible young parents, and I just can't wait to see your kids grow up. You guys are rocking it. And uh, so I don't really, I see roots being, being planted deep in our children, in this body. And uh, so really what I want to emphasize today, we're going to touch on roots, but what I want to emphasize are the wings. Okay, so start off talking about roots. How do we do that? We must create for the kids a warm, safe and happy home our children, every time they walk in the doors my goal was for the kids to come home and go I'm home it's not a place of anxiety it's not a place of fear it's not a place of frustration but it's a place of peace and uh, I wrote down I wrote down here three ways we could do that first of all giving affirmations and when I say give affirmations to your children uh, make sure those affirmations are specific just don't say, hey, y'all are great kids. Y'all are great kids. You know what? Y'all are great kids. After a while, they're going to, what's so great about us? Right? So, so make them, you know, I told all three of my daughters they were beautiful all the time for three reasons. Number one, they were. Might be a little prejudiced, but they are, all right? And number two, because I knew they needed to hear that from their daddy. And the third reason, the third thing I did when I gave the affirmation to make it specific, I never ended there. And the reason I didn't stop there is because what did they do to earn their beauty except have a good-looking daddy? (laughs) No, 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 not really. Sweetheart, they look like their mama. Okay, that's good. I just, that was a bad joke. Okay. So, but I will say this. When I gave the affirmations, I'd tell them they're beautiful. And then I'd say, you know what I love most about you is you're beautiful on the inside. Make them specific. And so, in spirit of that, Shannon I want to tell you how much I love you. Your name means Little Wise One, and you have done nothing but live up to that name your entire life. And in front of everybody here, I want to apologize to you because I know there's times that I kind of overlooked you because you always had it together. And I felt like my energies needed to be spent elsewhere. And I, I realize that. That's one of the failings as a father. And I just want to tell you, you're just about as perfect as you can be. I know you keep telling me you're not, but you are. So, And I know because I'm dad. There you go. Love you. All right. Whew, where was I? Okay, next. Have fun. Have fun. I, Jamie mentioned that last week. 33 years, I've been the master tickle monster. <laughs> In our home, both with my kids and now with my grandkids. I chased Ivy around about two months ago. I was tickling her and I finally caught her. I picked her up and she put both hands on my cheek. Said, Papa? And I said, yeah. She goes, you're my favorite. Oh, here's the credit card. Yeah, we're good. We're good, right? And uh, finally, obey. Third thing I have there, observing rituals and traditions. I want to encourage you guys, have traditions in your home. We had the Friday after Thanksgiving, you know, we would decorate the tree. We would watch It's a Wonderful Life. The kids would be bored because the movie's too long, but they still loved it. I loved it. It was awesome. Uh, I would sing to them every night when I put them to bed. I'd, I'd tuck them in. And I actually, real quick, I sang a song from Tim Shepard, who was an early Christian contemporary artist. The song was called Fiddler, and it talked about Jesus being a fiddler and playing his song through the city and people following him. The last verse of the song said, now I seem to understand how you play your song, even with nail scars in your hand. And uh, so I would sing that song to them every night. So Rama, my second daughter, is getting married about four years ago, and uh, I'm doing the wedding. I had the honor of doing that. So I'm leading the, the rehearsal for the wedding. Bridesmaids are at the back ready to come down. I look at the piano player and I said, OK, let's start the music because I'm thinking traditional bridal march, you know, dun, 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 dun. and I said, go ahead, start the music. And the piano player goes, Fiddler, you play your song all through the city. The song I sang to her as a little girl. The end of the song transitions into, yes, Jesus loves me. And she timed it out. Where Raymond and I walk down the aisle to Jesus loves me. Is that cool? Because that that's just blows my mind. All right, now let's look at the wings real quick. Uh, wings. We must empower our kids to fly when it's time to leave the nest. All right, we, we, we wanna give them deep roots, but we all wanna, also wanna train them to rise up and fly when it's time to fly. So, next slide there empower. We need to empower our kids. The definition I have there is my teaching becomes your doing. If our children can do what we've taught them, then we've empowered them. You teach them to make the bed. They make the bed. You go in five minutes later and look at the bed and you're like. Well, guess what? They're not empowered yet, right? So we got we to coach them up again. Train them up right. Okay. All right. So uh, and think about what Jesus did, the way Jesus led his disciples. I want you to hear this. This is powerful. He did it in front of them. He preached the gospel, healed the sick, cast out demons. Raid. He did all that. He, they watched him. Then he did it with them. And then he left them to do it. So coach them up and then let them do it. Now, this is a key. Once Understand when your children do it, they're not going to do it as well as you do it. Okay, I I travel the country training teachers for a living. I talked to a teacher this Friday. Here's what she told me. Her husband was getting mad at her son because he was teaching the son how to mow grass, and he wasn't doing it right. She said, I looked at my husband, and I said, raise boys, not grass. That ouch, woo, sounds like something my wife would say. All right, that's good stuff, right? So keep in mind, they're not going to do it as well as you, and that's okay, and that's okay. All right, now, real quick, I just want y'all to call out one-word adjectives that describe how you feel personally when you're not empowered. Just yell them out. Scared. What else? Frustrated. Frustrated. Sad. Insecure. Yeah, anxious. Let me ask you this. How do you think your children feel when they're not empowered? Same way same way so let's empower them to be everything that they can be now next be a role model and all i'm going to say about this guys be who you want your children to become you want them to get up in the morning spend time with jesus guess what get up in the morning spend time with jesus it's great for your kids to get out of bed walk in the living room and see you there with the bible and you're praying and seeking god you want them to do it model it This is, you know, we should be able to say as parents, watch me, do what I do. So many parents today say, do what I say, not what I do. They'll tell kids, don't smoke cigarettes. You hear me? Bad for you. That doesn't work because kids will remember some of what you teach. They will remember everything they see. Next, look for teachable moments. I had a mentor tell me one time, it's not what a person looks at. It's what they see. It's what they see. Look for teachable moments just in everyday life. When we're raising up and teaching our kids, we don't have to get out a PowerPoint presentation. Here, children, here's how to live your life. We don't do that, right? I don't think Jesus did that. He said, he the Sermon on the Mount, look at the lilies of the field, how they grow. I'm pretty sure there's lilies over there. Hey, look over there at those lilies. What do they do to grow? God just does it, right? You see the sparrows? Not one of them falls to the ground without the Father knowing it. Right? So don't worry. See, everything, Jesus was looking around all the time looking for teachable moments to teach his disciples, just as we need to do with our kids. Now, we're going to look at a diagram real quick. Let's pull that diagram up here. I love this. I call this the empower diagram. We actually use this when we're training teachers to work with their kids. Now, look at the top left square there. It says, uh, on the left side, it says can, the bottom here, it says should. So what that means is if our children can do it and should do it, what do we do? Let them do it. Let them do it. Okay? Now, the bottom here, if they can't do it and should do it, guess what? That's on us. That's where the parenting comes in. If they should do it but can't, we need to coach them up. So let them grow. Okay? Now, top right corner, look for clarity. If they can do it and shouldn't, provide clarity. The only thing my dad said that I said I would never do to my kids is I'd say, dad, why do I got to do that? Because I said so. I'll never say that. And I don't believe I ever did because that just drove me nuts. All right. They need clarity. Amy, I found out Amy when she was at Baylor University. uh, She walked 12 blocks home at midnight now, if you know anything about Baylor University, the people from Waco are laughing. She did what? Okay, because, you know, Baylor's beautiful. The neighborhood around Baylor, not so much, right? So uh, she, I found out she walked 12 blocks alone at midnight. I got all, oh, I went off. Sorry, I lost it. I was like, what are you doing? She's like, what? I'm, okay. Can she walk 12 blocks? Absolutely. Should she? No way. Okay. So I had to explain. So after that, she'd call her boyfriend and he'd get up at midnight, come pick her up and drive her. Like, there we go. We got it. Okay. All right, so, and then the bottom one, that's a no-brainer. If they can't do it and shouldn't do it, guess what? Don't let them do it. Don't play in the street, you know, those type of things. We're good? Okay, now, next. Oh, I want to ask one question about that. You don't have to pull the diagram back up. I just want to ask this. This is food for thought, self-reflection here. For you as parents, what is one thing you do for your children right now? that they can and should do for themselves? Not going to ask for an answer. Just think about that. What is it we do as parents for the kids that they can and should be doing for themselves? Next, listen to them. I'm a firm believer in this. If you don't listen to your children when they're five and six, they're not going to listen to you when they're 15 and 16. We actually teach how to actively listen uh, in our training with teachers. And one of the trainings we had... And we had them report back how the, we told them, go home, active listen to someone in your family and then come back tomorrow and we're gonna hear about it. One of the teachers one time, she, she raised her hand and said, yes, ma'am. And she said, well, I sat on the, I tucked in my 12-year-old daughter, sat on the foot of her bed and I tried to actively listen to her for 10 minutes like you told me. And I said, well, how'd that go? And she said, five minutes into it, my daughter started crying. And I said, why? And she said, I said, sweetie, what's the matter? And she looked at me and said, mommy, are you dying? It was so different how she had ever listened to her daughter before. The daughter thought she's about to say, sweetheart, mommy's dying. Listening to the children is powerful, guys. I took my kids on daddy dates when they were five years old because I knew they'd listen to dad and dad knows everything when you're five. Five. If I tried that when they're 14, it wouldn't work, right? So uh, I taught him how a gentleman opens a door for a lady. Here's what he pulls a chair out for you at the restaurant. If you get to the restaurant, he doesn't open the door for you. You sit there till he does. Well, what if he doesn't open the door, dad? Call me and I'll come get you. You ain't never going out with him again. It's easy, right? Well, Trevor and Shannon were dating for two years. I think they were engaged. Trevor came. I had to train him up too, by the way. That's all right. So he came, picked her up. And they're leaving to go on their date. I go over to the blinds and I open the blinds. And I'm like, Shannon, Robin's like, get away from the window. I said, I want to see if the boy's doing it right. So I'm sitting here looking, right? You know what Shannon does? She walks up to the car door. Trevor comes around, opens the door. I'm like, yeah, we got it. All right, that's good stuff. All right. So anyway, that's good. All right, now, so last one, here we go. And this goes back to disciplining our children. When they misbehave. Guys, highlight this, circle it four times. This is a game changer. When tempted to tell, ask. Here's what I want to ask you. How many of you like it when someone tells you what to do? Nobody's raising it. You know what? Kids don't like it either. I don't know if y'all realize that, right? And we get mad at kids because they don't like it. And we as parents don't like it, right? So what, here's what I mean by when tempted to tell, ask. You, that, you know, they know they're supposed to clean their room, right? So you walk into the room, the room's not clean. Hey, sweetie, when are you planning on getting that room clean? Uh, I don't know. Whenever I'm done with my video game. Oh, okay, so you, you want me to clean it up for you? Well, sugar, that'd be great. So I will. I go pick up some of their toys and I put them away in my closet. So the next day she comes up. Where's my shoes? Dad, I can't find them. Where were they supposed to be, sweetie? In my room? What'd you do with them? Uh, uh, I don't know. They maybe didn't put them away. Okay, so, so listen. Uh, so, how long do I need to hold onto your shoes next time before you're willing, ready to take care of them yourself? See, ask questions and get them. And what that does is that gives wings and causes them to be responsible for their own actions. You with me? Instead of telling them, because you tell them, all they do is they feel picked on. You with me? When we, get, when we tell them, they feel picked on. So we're going to wrap up here. Conclusion. And I want to say then, and we're going to get real here for a minute. Sometimes you feel like you do it all right, that you've done your best job you can as a parent, and you have done well. And still, kids make poor choices. The Bible said you raise them up in the ways of the Lord and they're never going to depart from it and they departed from it. That's a hard one, isn't it? And some of you guys have been there. So what do we do with that? I would say you do what my mom did for me. You pray. You believe God. And you keep lifting them before the Father. And you believe in them. You love them. I think it's better... I mean, we have a choice in that case. Here's what I want to say about it. We have a chance to make a point or we have a chance to make a difference. And I'd rather make a difference, right? Amy, our youngest daughter, I won't go into the detail of it, but uh, she came to us after a mission trip with Antioch and Waco and came home. And uh, she said, I need to talk to you guys. And I said, okay. And she said... uh, she started the conversation off by saying, I'm not who you thought I was in high school. And uh, without going into detail, she told us about a traumatic event she had been through in high school that she never told us about, which led to several bad choices, drugs, alcohol, some other things. And uh, guys, I'll tell you right now, it was the most devastating moment of my life. But I had to trust God. God. And say, okay, and you know what? You just saw a picture of her. She's joyful today. She told her boyfriend at the time. He wanted to be her girlfriend. And she said, before I do, i got to tell you my story. And she told her story to her boyfriend. The boyfriend looked at her and said, this makes me love you even more than I did before. And he married her. You see, God redeems God brings back. So if you find yourself in that case where you feel like you tried to do it all right and it still didn't work out the way you planned, don't give up. Keep believing. Keep praying for them. Keep loving them right where they're at. That's what Jesus did with us, didn't he? Jesus didn't look at you and go, man, uh uh-uh, you don't make it, I'm out. He never did that. He's always with us, okay? So hang in there. Be with your kids. And next I want to say this about roots and wings as we wrap up. Roots and wings are not established accidentally. It takes intentionality. So I really want us to think about as we're we're parenting, think about leading your children versus raising them. Lead them in the way. We should be able as parents, again, what we said before about being a model, say, hey, you want to know how to do this life thing? Watch me. Be who you want them to become. Now, I didn't tell you how great my parents were. I didn't tell you the rest of the story. Paul Harvey, remember that? Here's the rest of the story. My mother was sexually abused as a child. She had a horrific childhood. My dad was born in the Great Depression. His father was killed in an oil-filled accident when he was six. His mother remarried an alcoholic and an abuser, and he was abused the rest of his life. The stepfather had no marketable skills, and so they became tenant farmers. My dad said you could see this daylight between the slats of the outside walls of his house. They basically lived in a small barn with a dirt floor. They got a block of cheese from the government about this big and then whatever crops were left over on the ground to eat. When my dad was 18 years old, he left home. He was 5'11", 116 pounds. He had just found Jesus And he said when he left home, he promised God if he was ever blessed with children, he would be the best dad on the planet. That's the rest of my parents' story. Neither one of them had a perfect childhood. So those of you that were raised, and man, I didn't have the parents you had, Mark. Neither did my parents. But they became those parents. See, what my parents did, they put a stake in the ground and said it ends now. It ends now. Noah's sitting over here. He wanted to hear his grandpa preach. He never met my dad. But Noah, my dad would be so proud of you. Because the only people that would argue with me about saying that my dad was the best dad on the planet would be my kids. Because they say I am. And you know what? The five grandkids would say their parents are. All because of choices my mom and dad made to end it now. Okay, so if we could have the ministry team come forward, let please stand. Ministry team, worship team, you guys come on. Now, I know people can question how good a parent, I mean, how good a spouse we are, how good a friend we are, but for some reason... When we talk about how good a parent someone is, we tend to get pretty defensive, don't we? Don't tell me I'm a bad parent, okay? That that hits really close to home because we know the gravity of that job in raising parents. So we're going to open the time for ministry. And there's two or three things I felt as I was praying about this that God wanted... If you've been wounded by parents... You know, we've got a a lot of young people over here. If there's been wounds from the past... That came from parents and you just feel like you need God to just wash over that and just bring healing to those wounds so those wounds don't carry over from generation to generation. Come get prayer tonight, this morning. Uh, some of you may be saying, I didn't have great parents, I'm not sure how to do this. Come get prayer. I, I mean, what is, all this parenting we talked about today was based on how Jesus discipled the twelve. You know what, my dad didn't have a role model, and what he did is he, hung, he looked around and found good dads and hung out with them. What do you do? How do you talk to your kids? How do you play with your kid? Because okay, he didn't know. And so he figured it out. So if you need help, you need prayer to be the, a better parent, you feel like there's something you need to let go of, or maybe change. Maybe I've been parenting this way, and I really feel like God's telling me I need to write the course. Feel free to do it, but the altars, you know, come down, get prayer. These guys love you guys. We gonna pray over you, and uh, just let God do what He's want. What He's speaking to you this morning.